You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Alethea Pace. Alethea, thanks so much for talking with me today. Thank you for having me. Alethea, we're talking on uh, May 5th, 2021, and you're in the Bronx. The pandemic is seems to be ending in, in the New York region. Uh, how how is it for you there, just in terms of the the pandemic in this in this moment? I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it as it relates to your work a lot. But how uh, yeah, how has it been for you now and and this past year as a as a performer? Um, well, right now it suddenly feels like we're back into the swing of things, and I thought the transition was going to be a little bit more gradual, but I suddenly feel very busy in a way that I haven't felt for um, some time. So there's a little bit of an uh, adjustment period, but um, definitely, you know, over the course of the last year plus, um, there's been a lot of change and transition and loss um, in all different kinds of ways. So um, it feels good to be um, in this new, you know, this new place of possibility, but I also um, don't want to forget some of the, the lessons and, and um, yeah, the, the lessons of the past year and a half as well. So before we talk about all the, you know, all the exciting things that are happening, um, what lessons of the past year did, did you mean exactly? About, about what? Can we talk about that for a minute? Uh, yeah, sure. For me, it's there's been a um, a kind of slowing down, a kind of opportunity to you know take stock and to check in and to make sure that the work that I'm doing really aligns with my values. I think that's something that um, that I've been wanting, you know, a lesson that I want to hold on to as as things start to come up and get busier again, and I don't want to enter it in the same way that I was before, which is just this, like, go, go, go type of mentality. At, the, at a certain point in, early on in the pandemic, I was taking a lot of walks with a friend, and I, we were walking really slowly for, you know, New York people who tend to walk really fast. And I found myself the other day going somewhere, and I was suddenly back in that type of pace, and it was just an opportunity for me to just check in and say, I don't, I don't need to rush. I can, I can take my time and appreciate and kind of, um, you know, try to savor the moments because, as we know, um, you know, they're not promised. And so wanting to just appreciate the time that we have um, and kind of slow down. And so I'm trying to hold on to that even as, you know, I, I'm sure it's going to be a process, but um, um, it's been really um, important. To, to kind of acknowledge those things. I think that's, yeah, that's, of course, true for, I guess, different people in different ways. There's so many things it seems to draw from the, uh, from the pandemic and, and how, it's, how it's changed us, really. And um, so how has, how has that affected your, your work, uh, that, that lesson or those lessons? Because it seems that that's also what, what's happening with artists now and writers, poets, everybody, they're, they're somehow integrating, uh, or some of them are anyway, some of the lessons, as, as you put it, that, that were learned, that were, um, that were, you know, very humbling and very profound, really, right, about, about, about life and its preciousness and, 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 um, 
And so how has that, how has that affected your work? And we could talk about it in the context of something that's coming up right now or, you know, a new project that you're working on or, or something else if you want. Hilda. Yeah, sure. So I think for, there's one project in particular that it kind of affirms some of the choices and in a strange way, I see um, some of the direction that I was going into were kind of perfect, are kind of perfect for the moment that we're in. So I've been working on this project for some time. Um, it's called Here Goes the Neighborhood. And an aspect of that project is about doing these kind of oral history walks with folks. So um, the, the piece itself is about the Bronx and is about um, creating space for memory, creating space for vision visioning, collective memory and collective visioning. And so one of the practices that I started to do just before the pandemic was, um, was that I would invite people to take me on a walk in their neighborhood. And I gave them some very loose guidelines about what, where they might include, but they really got to determine the course that we took. And as we walk, they, they share stories with me or memories based on place, based on the places that we're passing. I record those. And then at some point along the walk, we do, um, they, I film a site-specific movement response. So thinking about the ways in which um, these spaces hold our memories and our bodies hold our memories and what is the conversation between space and body. Um, and then where that was intended to, um, to go was that in the spring of 2020, I was sharing that as part of a performance installation at BAD, the Bronx Academy of Arts and Dance, which is um, my artistic home. Um, but obviously that, that didn't happen. But, um, but I shared a film. I ended up you know, making it just for film for an online work that I shared in October, and I'm continuing to develop it. And I'm hoping and expecting to expand it so that um, I walk with folks in all five boroughs so that I create these portraits of each borough, um, you know, with people like an intergenerational group, intergenerational group of folks, um, people who are working in different styles of movement, of art, um, so that I can create, yeah, these portraits of each borough and create space for memory. But it's funny because so much of, especially early on in the pandemic, what I was doing was just with one person or, you know, going on these long walks in my neighborhood and really getting to have these kind of intimate conversations. And so um, it's a part of that kind of like slowing down process and taking stock and really cultivating, cultivating relationships, you know, on, a, on that kind of one-on-one -on -one level. Yeah, I think it's such an intimate way to, to kind of create relationships in, in the pandemic, especially, you know, it seems more and more to me the pandemic was kind of like a wartime situation. And there was, um, and somehow it was very, very, uh, could be bonding as, as we're all in this situation together, really, right? Um, I mean, you, yeah. you, you said a little bit earlier that one of the lessons was also to do work that, um, as I remember you said, something like state, stay true to your to yourself right what was it that you said there yeah i think i said like is is in line with my values right so 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 talk about what you're just doing as being in line with your values because this because this the project that you just mentioned also has um i mean it's about all histories but there's it also has 
kind of political and activist overtones too, right? To like right. the phrase, "There goes the neighborhood." Yes, exactly. So it's a it's a um, a reclaiming of space, um, and um, very much um, thinking about the ways in which um, the Bronx has been facing you know, in this present moment or up until recently, we don't know, you know, this is very uncertain in terms of what happens next, but um, displacement and gentrification being um, very prominent issues here and um, seeing all the growth and development that has happened over the past several years happening at a very rapid pace. And what does it mean for the people who have been here, who have been invested in, you know, growing the community, especially when, you know, in the 70s, 80s, this wasn't a place that was considered worth investing anything except by the people who were here and really kind of sowed these um, seeds of activism and community organizing um, to, to make the neighborhoods better when the city was not only not investing, but disinvesting in these communities. And so um, as we face this, these next chapters and, and of this rapid growth and change, how can we hold on and, you know, claim the space that uh, we help to cultivate? Um, and so and, I think that's the, the larger or a larger vision of the project as well. And that's in line kind of what you were thinking post-pandemic in terms of in line with your own thinking is that 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 the the artwork somehow creates uh, or not somehow it's kind of clear but there's a there's an awareness raised to to local to local politics and culture in a specific way yes that and also that um we have the opportunity to share these stories like i think you know focus focusing on the stories that are are less frequently told you know that can be forgotten easily and that that's really where when i first set out to make the work which was all the way back in 2018, the first like initial impulse that I had was that I wanted to make a piece about forgetting. And I, you know, I was dealing with some things personally in my life that made that feel very um, relevant and important to me. Um, thinking about the ways in which we can start to forget something before it's even gone and wanting to acknowledge that and also pay homage. So the, orig- the original title for the piece was called Bring Me Flowers, which is like a saying, bring me, bring me my flowers while I'm still living or while I'm still here. Um, but then it evolved. And, the, you know, I was, when I think about, like, how did I arrive at that very, like, broad and kind of abstract um, you know, initial impulse to creating a work that's like so specific about the Bronx, but I think about my my history a little bit and my major in undergraduate was urban design and architecture studies. And so I've really been interested in this, in the ways in which um, cities shape our lives and how, you know, the way that space and place impacts the way that we move um, and the way that we hold, you know, memory is held in a place, memory is held in our bodies, and what is the conversation between place and body. That's so interesting. So I'm glad you mentioned your undergraduate work in that background. So how does that, you know, that, that of course sets up your, you know, the, the way you're, or the, or the foundation or the context, the background for the movements you're making, how, 
how, if they do, do the, do the movements or the work, or when you could talk about a piece in particular, kind of reference what you're talking about in terms of urban design, because that's, that's so interesting, you know, and I, I, I agree with that and understand that, this, this idea of how, um, how the community, how a city can be altered, changed, and, and so these works that you're making, they are actively kind of being part of a kind of urban design, right, and, or, or, or renewal, as you say, or, or, and so if, if so, how, how are they doing that exactly? Is it, is it in the message, essentially, but also the form? How is that taking on the, the architecture, so to speak, of what you're doing? Yeah, so I think it's in a few different ways when I think, if I think purely to the movement itself, um, you know, like just being in the studio, me, the, you know, the space, my body, maybe some music is on. um, And like what, you know, where were my initial curiosities about how to bring, I, I didn't, you know, I created movement first and then the, you know, the story, like these things are in conversation happening in my head and things come out in the studio in my body, and then I figure out how they relate to each other. But I was, and I, I often am thinking about, um, in the Bronx, for instance, thinking about how there are times when you have to make yourself really big in order to navigate a space, and then other times when you have to make yourself really small. Um, and like, you know, like you feel that in your body, um, and so I thought about, uh, I thought about just on like that simple level, like how can I make myself bigger in terms of the way that I'm moving and how can I make myself small so that, you know, I can navigate around somebody without bumping, bumping into them as I pass them on the street, um, or make myself bigger because it's a threatening situation and I have to, um, you know, just like puff my chest out or whatever. Um, so that, that those were kind of like the, the movement interests and explorations that I was, um, that I, that I started with and that I continued to explore. And then there's also text in the work, in the performance element. So the, the stories and the, the film, the oral histories are part of what was going to be an installation and what will be an installation. And then there's a performance element too. So the piece started as a solo but I'm um, developing it into a trio for two dancers and an actor. And another series of, um, or another part of the research that I did was uh, a series of interviews with folks, um, activists, um, people who are deeply rooted in the Bronx and doing work here um, in, in different areas, whether it's housing or food justice. And through those conversations, just those were more like straight up interviews um, that I recorded. And I, um, from that, from those conversations, began to create a lot of text, and also um, it just really informed like the narrative of the work and um, and some of the storytelling, both you know literal storytelling and and movement storytelling. So this that's so fascinating and interesting uh, to me that research process and the, and the interviews and the stories people are telling because these are about these are oral histories in a way they're kind of going for a walk and talking it seems to me stories that shouldn't be forgotten as as you said or also you know um, ways of of being an activist that should be emulated or not forgotten before we go can you tell me about um, 
like one of these stories that had an impact on you? Like just the interviews sound fascinating to me, of course, because that's also what I do tons of, but I, I would imagine one of the interviews you did or one of the stories you told really was um, had a great impact perhaps on the, on the process of what's going on because there's often so yeah. many surprises. Is there anyone that comes to mind that you want to Well, there were share? there were so many. There were so many. And I have so much more material that I also created a kind of like digital map so that they live online. Some of the, you know, some snippets of the story. So you can click on the map, see specifically where the person brought me, see an image, and hear another aspect of the story. A really cool thing that happened, um, because I was, you know, trying intentionally to work with an intergenerational group of, of um, people, is that two people took me to the same place without, you know, they don't know each other um, and they're about 25 or 30 years apart. And so they, and, but they both brought me to Hunts Point Riverside Park and they had a completely different frame of reference. One person knew it as a place that used to be a garbage dump and there were tires and it smells and, you know, they, it was just like not, it's, it's like right along the waterfront of, of the Bronx River. And then the other person brought me there, 20, you know, 25 years younger, and told me the story of his first kiss there with his boyfriend, you know, and how this, this space was a sanctuary space, you know, um, like an escape from all the intensity of Hunts Point. And so I just thought that was such a magical coincidence that happened. Um, and so I'm continuing to... Um, my, my next steps for it as well are to, um, to do this in each borough and create these portraits in each borough. So I'm going to Brooklyn next, and I'm, I'm very interested to see what, what kind of coincidences like that will, will pop up. That's exciting. That's so exciting to hear. You know, I, I was just, um, I don't know, reading kind of a book about a book that was talking about how, how the idea of storytelling isn't... Um, isn't done, you know, and, and, and by storytelling, like, just like what you just told, you know, where I got my first kiss or some story that, that perhaps is passed down that, that, uh, I mean, this one writer is actually Larry McMurdy's take on Walter Benjamin, but was sort of saying that, that writers and, and, and other artists, you know, aren't the same thing when they put it into work, but that the stories themselves, the walking or talking and people telling a story that they told before, is um, we don't hear much of that, and, and that's exactly what you're hearing, right? This, these, these oral histories, these stories that are part of not just someone's life, but uh, the kind of fabric of the, of the community potentially for generations. Exactly, exactly. And, then, and how these stories are already present in, you know, you know when you walk by something that you ha- a place you haven't walked and it just brings you back and it brings the story back. And so these stories also live in these places. And so... Um, you know, how can we activate these places with our stories, with our bodies, um, or, or not even call attention to that activation because the spaces are already activated with those things. I like that. Uh, I, I love what you're doing and, and wish you, you know, great luck on the next project and success. I, I want to ask you one more question, which is what are you reading at the moment? Well, I'm, I'm in school right now, so I'm also in an MFA program, so I'm reading a lot of things, but the, what I just, you know, the reading that I have to do that's next um, is the book by Bell Hooks called Teaching to Transgress, so I'm in a, a master's program and I'm taking a teaching practicum 
And that book is amazing and is so relevant into so many other aspects of my life and work. And so I'm really appreciative of, of taking that text on and reading it. And where are you getting your masters? Um, at City College, um, so right here in Harlem. Um, it's a digital, the program is called Digital and Interdisciplinary Art Practice. So it's really about um, incorporating technology into whatever existing um, practice you have, learning new digital tools, which you know, also seems very relevant for this, this kind of moment we're in balancing um, sure what it means to have a body and, you know, interacting in this, these um, technological spaces. Well, that's exciting. Well, I wish you well with the, with the program too, of course. And um, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. And I wish you well. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.